Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Welcome. Welcome, one and all, to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. And I don't... I don't know about you, but one week ago tonight, I was a little stressed out. You know, just about silly stuff. That, in retrospect... I shouldn't have been too concerned about, like, the rising tide of fascism. (laughs) And then the election came. And I continued to be stressed out for four more days. Because we didn't know who had won in Nevada. Well, turns out what happens in Vegas takes four days to figure out what the hell happened. (laughs) But, but... There you go. There you go. But on Saturday night, we learned that the Democrats are keeping control of the Senate... Turns out that red wave was actually a blue splash. <laughs> just as the maxi pad commercials foretold. <laughs> Except that's a... mm. Mm. <laughs> the Democrats sealed the deal in Nevada where Catherine Cortez Masto defeated her GOP opponent. Of course, this is Nevada, so Cortez Masto can either take the win and walk away or go double or nothing. Cuz, <laughs> come on, wouldn't it be great to be both senators, Catherine? Control of the Senate means the Democrats will be able to approve judges, block legislation from the potential GOP House, and most crucially, pick the theme of the Senate homecoming dance. (laughs) Bernie's pushing for enchantment under the soup. (laughs) The Democrats' victory in Nevada means the Georgia runoff will no longer determine control of the Senate, so Georgians will have to come up with a new reason to vote for Herschel Walker. For many of them, it'll be... He's my dad. (laughs) What are you going to do? Now that the Republicans failed to take back the Senate, they're rolling up their sleeves and coming together to pick a scapegoat and hurl them down an elevator shaft. Right now, knives are out for Senate Minority Leader and clinically depressed pudding Mitch McConnell and Florida Senator and newly discovered cavefish Rick Scott. (laughs) Republican candidates are mad at McConnell for not telling the voters what the GOP would do if they got control of the Senate. And they're even madder at Rick Scott for telling voters what they would do if they got control of the Senate. Specifically, Scott talked about cutting Social Security and Medicare, which resulted in scaring older voters. And Rick Scott's not supposed to be scaring older voters. Supposed to be scaring Harry Potter and his meddling friends. Nobody gonna kill you, Me! Most shocking of all, some of the GOP blame is going to the person who actually deserves it, former President Cheatloaf. 
According to one Republican strategist, they lost because of the ex-president's hand-picked conspiracy candidates saying, the my pillowization of the GOP has been a disaster. <laughs> to which Mike Lindell responded, use promo code GOP disaster for 20% off your next pillow sham. Sham, like these sham elections. Sham. <laughs> Elsewhere, a prominent election denier was denied his election and finally admitted it. I'm talking about Pennsylvania Republican gubernatorial candidate and haunted testicle. <laughs> Ooh. Doug Mastriano. Mastriano believed, and this is true, believed God himself would ensure his victory. So it was extra sweet when this Sunday, Doug Mastriano conceded to Josh Shapiro. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. On a Sunday, reminds me of the inspirational poster wherein the Lord says, the times when you saw only one set of footprints on the beach, that's because I didn't want to be seen anywhere near Doug Mastriano. <laughs> He's cuckoo. Before the... Before the midterms, the former president had been teasing his 2024 presidential kickoff for tomorrow, right? It was supposed to be tomorrow. But now that so many of his candidates got creamed, Republicans are advising him to delay his announcement until after the Senate runoff in Georgia. And so, he's going to announce tomorrow. <laughs> Advisors to the former president claim he's eager to start attacking other potential GOP hopefuls, saying, I would expect him to come out swinging which sounds scary at first, but remember, when he comes out swinging, it looks like this. <laughs> Breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. There's more chaos at Twitter, thanks to new CEO Elon Musk, seen here definitely at his first rodeo. It's been just over two weeks since Musk paid $44 billion to buy Twitter, and the company's gone into a tailspin. Ad revenue has plunged. Musk has already fired half of Twitter's employees, and late last week, he warned the remaining staff that bankruptcy is possible. He's going to lose it all unless he can find someone even richer and stupider than he is to buy it. <laughs> I would try the Monopoly guy. His car is a friggin' shoe. He traded the thimble in for a shoe. One company is brave enough to stick it out because SpaceX purchased a big advertising campaign on Twitter. Yes, Elon SpaceX is going to save Elon's Twitter, and Elon's solar panel company is going to save Elon's Tesla. It's the circle of jerk. Musk is also working on other cutting-edge solutions to save the company. Specifically, he's tweeting his butt off. Right now, he's on track to post more than 750 times this month, or more than 25 times a day, saying things like, Twitter feels increasingly alive. Yes. It feels more alive than ever. Just like right after you cut off a chicken's head. Wow! <laughs> he's really running around. Oh, he's dancing. I'm dancing with that chicken. I'm dancing with that chicken. Oh, I want to be just like that dancing chicken. Oh, oh, oh. Oh. Now the chicken is sleeping. 
said Elon Musk. <laughs> One reason advertisers are fleeing the platform is all the problems Twitter is having with their new blue check policy, which allows anyone to be verified for an $8 fee. In the past, those blue checks were reserved for verified public figures and companies. But with the new eight-buck verification, internet jokesters went wild, making fake accounts for public figures like Elon Musk, George W. Bush, and Rudy Giuliani. Well, <laughs> that's obviously fake. The real Rudy Giuliani can no longer afford $8 a month. <laughs> the policy, dancing with that chicken. Oh. Woo, here he goes, look at him go. policy began to have real-world impact to some of our most important persons, corporations. A fake check-marked Pepsi account tweeted, Coke is better. <laughs> I said they're fake accounts, not wrong accounts. <laughs> and, but, in return, in return, a fake Coca-Cola account said, if this gets 1,000 retweets, we will put cocaine back in Coca-Cola. <laughs> and it got immediately 1,000 retweets from Don Jr. <laughs> I'm sure it's a fake account. <laughs> but perhaps the most damaging tweet from a fake account happened to pharmaceutical giant Eli Lilly, when an account in Lily's name announced that insulin is free now, <laughs> and the company's stock fell 4.37%, causing the company to lose billions in market cap. I can't believe Wall Street fell for that. They should have known something was up when a pharmaceutical company offered to help anyone. <laughs> one government official... One... One government official is trying to make Twitter accountable for its mess. Massachusetts Senator and cockatoo in heat, Ed Markey. <laughs> Over the weekend, Markey tweeted, a Washington Post reporter was able to create a verified account impersonating me. I'm asking for answers from Elon Musk, who is putting profits over people and his debt over stopping disinformation. Musk responded, perhaps it is because your real account sounds like a parody. <laughs> cool comeback, boss. But you know might have a better comeback? Senator Markey, who sits on the subcommittee on communication, media, and broadband. He tweeted, one of your companies is under an FTC consent decree. Auto safety watchdog NHTSA is investigating another for killing people. And you're spending your time picking fights online? Fix your companies or Congress will. Wow. That... That is going to leave a marky. <laughs> we got a great show for you tonight. My guest is Michelle Obama. Up next, Stephen calls a family meeting. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. 
Chopin. Hello, Joseph. Hello, Steven. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. Good to well, see you. You look good up there. Yeah. Marshall? Yes, sir. Hey, Joe, let me ask something. Yeah. Let me ask something here. Okay. I got, I got to ask you something. Yeah. I never really, I've never really given you a good grilling about this cowboy hat of yours. You know, we yeah. call you the jazz cowboy. Yeah. When did that start? It started uh, right before I started the show, actually. So be because you were starting the show, you're like, I need a distinctive headgear? Yeah. Or, really? You were like, yeah. if I'm going to be on TV every night, I yeah. want to wear a cowboy like, hat? I was like, my drumming can't, it, it's not going to do it. I need something else. And you don't have enough. You don't have enough faith in your drumming. You think you needed a right, gimmick. Right. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. did it work? Yeah. It worked. I bet. I bet you can get a job as an extra on Yellowstone. That's go. a Paramount production right there. there I'll talk go. to somebody. You want me to talk to somebody? Yes, sir. Please. Get you be like a, a, a drumming cowboy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. A little extra money. You know, tonight, uh, uh, talking about working, is that, uh, you know, when you, when you come and you're like, oh, who am I talking to tonight? There are few names you want to hear more than Michelle Obama, is what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's going to be fun. Big night. Big, big night. That's, that's, that's big. That checks a lot of boxes. That checks a whole lot of boxes right there. But you know, folks, People are always telling me that I'm kind of like their TV dad, probably because I'm middle-aged and I love saying the word sump pump. <laughs> and as a TV dad, from time to time, I like to check in and see how you're doing. So everybody get in the living room. Dad's calling a family meeting. <laughs> hey, hey, have a seat. Sit down, kiddo. Hey, buddy, thanks for sitting down with your old man. Oh! Thanks in advance for helping me stand up when we're done. Has this uh, couch always been this squishy? Anyway, I just want to check in with you, buddy. Have a little noggin on noggin. Now, I'm sure you don't want to sit here and get a lecture from America's TV dad, so I also invited America's mom. Michelle, come on out! You clearly took my advice and ate your vegetables. Yeah. That's right, kiddo. You look great. You know, you could uh, use some vegetables yourself, honey. Oh, no worries there. My diet is 99% corn chip. That's not a vegetable. All right, then I'll supplement it with potato chips. Oh. Look, buddy, listen, champ. We know you're getting to the age where you're embarrassed when we call you cute nicknames, so... <laughs> Here's my promise. I'm going to stop calling you things like Bunny and Champ. And I will, too, my little sweetie pie pumpkin lamb face. <laughs> we don't want to embarrass you in front of your friends. We know kids can be cruel. But remember what your mom here likes to say. When they go low, you go 
pour me a glass of wine. That's right. <laughs> there you go. There you go. By the way, by the way, buddy, is, is, is everything okay at school? Uh, your dad and I want to talk to you about your recent test scores. We're not happy with some of the results, but we do accept them. That's right. It's important to accept results even if you don't like them. That's so true. We want you to remember, if the stress starts to get to you, it helps to take a second for yourself and pause. But don't pause too much. Because uh, a look, that can get really... Really annoying. And champ, <laughs> we are so excited to see you at Thanksgiving this year. Because this year and every year, the thing we're most thankful for is you. And freedom. Yes. Mm. Freedom. Freedom. Freedom and you. And a fair democracy. True, true. This is freedom, fair democracy, and you. Oh, oh, and ranch dressing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we love ranch. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you're definitely top five, babe. Oh, and mm-hmm. we, we know you're still mad at us because we wouldn't let you get one of those septum piercings, okay? Mm-hmm. Even though all your cool friends have them. Well, good news, buddy. We decided to change all of that. Yes. Anytime your friends are around, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to wear a fake nose ring, Okay. Once they see him, it won't be cool anymore. Okay. You're welcome, okay? We've always got your back because we're proud of you. You've got your whole life ahead of you, and you can achieve anything. Yes. If you work hard, you can go to Princeton University, get your JD from Harvard Law, write best-selling books, be an advocate for change, inspire millions of people around the globe, and be a barrier-breaking part of American history. jokes on TV. <laughs> Everyone's path is different. Cheers to that. Cheers, honey. We Thanks, love Mom. You. Good talk, kiddo. We'll be right back with Michelle Obama. Hey, everyone. It's David Duchovny. Do you ever feel like a failure? Trust me, I get it. Hell, I've spent my whole life almost feeling like a failure. It's appropriate, though, because on Fail Better, my new podcast with Lemonada Media, exploring the world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives is the whole point. Each week, I'll chat with artists, athletes, actors, and experts about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, I hope we can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out on May 7th, wherever you get your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, it is an honor to have my guest back here at the Ed Sullivan Theater, 
Please welcome a former First Lady of these United States, Michelle Obama. Hey, Dad. How are you? Good to see you. Good to see you. Thanks, everybody. It is lovely to see you again. It's good to be with you. No. <laughs> <laughs> mm. no. Seriously, I, I love the sparkles. It's sparkly. Yeah. It's, it's late night. It is. And That'll keep people awake. Yeah, wake up, everybody. Sparkles. <laughs> the last time, the last time you were here in person yeah. was November oh. of 18. That's a long time ago. That was ago. a long time ago. Uh, with this little COVID thing got in the way in the middle, unfortunately. Ooh, yeah, that thing. And that was, uh, it was talking about your best-selling memoir, Becoming. Mm -hmm. and, and now you have a new book. It's called... The light we carry. A little, little COVID Subtitle, project. Little COVID project. <laughs> the light we carry. Overcoming in uncertain times. What are these uncertain times you're talking what? about, Michelle? <laughs> what yeah. could possibly have been the inspiration? Yeah. Did you do it over COVID? I did. I did. Um, uh, right after the Becoming Book Tour, you know, we, we were doing arena tours. You did some stuff with me. Which I know. I, I was am... so lucky. This is this is so, so we lucky had to be so on much stage fun. with you. Thank you. Thank you. Had right conversations. Wow. We did a 35-city tour, other countries, huge crowds, lots of hugs, and then the pandemic happened and the world shut down. Mm -hmm. So we went from being together, although we were still stressing about the results of the election mm -hmm. and people were in a way, there was a certain kind of uh, need to connect that was going on. There was an excitement, a love. And then we just shut down. And I think like a lot of people locked at home, just sort of watching the world seemingly fall apart before our very eyes, um, I started kind of looping in my head, you know, wondering, like a lot of people, how did we get here? And how are we going to get out? And I get questions all the time. I'm asked, um, how do you stay high when the world feels like it's in a wrong, low place? And this book is my best answer, you know? So I spent a lot of time kind of meditating and trying to get out of my head and trying to figure out what tools I could use to keep myself lifted, not to fall into depression and hopelessness. Um, and so I'm offering some of the tools that I use, but the goal for me through this book is to start a conversation because we, we need to reconnect. You know, I, I don't think we do well. Mm -hmm. We do not, we don't do well in isolation. We are all feeling anxious. We are all feeling unseen, unheard. We're afraid. We don't know what is causing that fear. We don't know how to control it, how to quiet that fearful mind. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm no different. Um, I had to work my way out of my hole and find my purpose again. You said uh, that um, writing Becoming felt like an exhale. Yeah, after eight years. After eight years, being able to like talk about your experience. What, mm -hmm. I mean, you wrote this book at a period of time when we're all being cautious about inhaling. Yeah, right. <laughs> How yeah. much does breathing have to do with how you deal with stress, <laughs> Michelle Obama? Breathing is key, but, you know, I, I think the thing, one of the many things that I've learned that I have to master is quieting the, the fearful mind. Fear is a powerful emotion. 
It, There's uh, the mind killer. You know, it, it, we need it. It keeps us safe. Mm -hmm. But if we overprivilege it, it keeps us stuck, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and... And the thing about fear is that if you overprivilege it, it gets to that position and it goes, oh, it would be very bad for you to not overprivilege me. That's you know what right. I mean? It gets in that right. position goes, oh, you should like, be afraid I mean, about taking me that, off the top of your list. That, that's right. And I think one of the things that we ha all have to work through is learning how to decode when that fear is going to help us and when it's holding us back. Because what you know, you come out here every night um, and you make it look easy. But I know that there, there is always a thing in people who are in the public eye where you have to get over that press of fear and get out here and do your thing. And you practice it, you get better at it. And what's on the other side, if you do it well, you do it right, is opportunity. It's openness, it's purpose, it's possibility. And the opportunity to be with other people because exactly. being alone leads to fear too. Well, and fearful minds are isolated and their worlds become small. And I think too many of us are living in our small worlds and our small minds reinforced with our thoughts, the loop in our head. And then if you have leaders who are willing to take advantage of that mm -hmm. and lead with fear and prey on that instinct, um, then we fall over in the ditch. <laughs> well, one of the things that gives me hope about this midterm is that this makes three elections in a row, three cycles yeah. in a row, where that pure fear message failed. Yes. 18, that is, 20, that is. and 22. Yes, America. Yes, America. But it reinforces, and it should for us, and, you know, it doesn't mean everything is fixed. There's still work to do, but it reminds us what we already know is that most of us are, are reasonable, decent people, regardless of political party, regardless of party. And we've been so disconnected from each other, we, we don't get our own information about each other. We're hearing it through the media, we're reading it on our phones, and we're not interacting with people who don't agree with us, knowing that, just with the understanding that your worries come from a place too. Mm -hmm. You know, your fear comes from, you know, anxiety of not having a job. You don't know how your life is gonna turn out. Kids who are out here causing trouble, Nobody's invested in them. You know, we have to find a way to find empathy again for each other so that we're not blaming one another, we're not demonizing one another. But that starts with understanding where does that fear come from? And so for me, part of the meditation in that chapter of the book is me trying to figure out how do I handle fear? You know, I talk about one of the most scared times in my life in the book. And look, I grew up in the inner city, things to really be afraid of. But the most afraid I was was when my husband came to me and said he wanted to run for president of the United States. <laughs> True. That's an uncertain time. That's an uncertain time. And he said if I wasn't on board, he'd shut the whole thing down. And I just I sort of point out, with my fear alone, I could have changed the course of history. But I didn't. Um, <laughs> I said yes. <laughs> I said yes eventually. Eventually. I said yes. I read yes. the last book. <laughs> I said yes, eventually. We're here. We did it. But because I didn't want to be like so many people in my family who got stuck in their fear um, and didn't achieve what they could um, because their worlds were small. I didn't want to be that example for my girls. Um, 
but I had to practice my way through that anxious feeling, that sort of the newness, the change. And we're all kind of working on that kind of stuff for ourselves every single day. So for me, decoding fear is a tool. Mm. Um, and and, you I, say and decode, I share it in my book. But the book is called, <laughs> the book is called The Light We Carry, <laughs> in case I haven't said so before. But when you say decoding fear, do you mm -hmm. mean like you lay it out like parts on a lawn and go, what is this thing? Yeah. Like you try to, yeah. you, you, you well, well, in the decision that I was making, I was like, why don't, why would I say no to my husband's dream? Why, what would cause me not to do it? And it was change. I, I, would, I didn't want to change anything. I didn't want to leave the home I knew. I didn't want to leave the friends I knew. I didn't want change. I didn't want discomfort. And I had to say to myself, is that a reason not to try something purposeful? Is that really what I want to say to my kids when they're, when they're older and I'm talking to my grandchildren and they start talking about the time their father wanted to be president, but oh no, a little scared grandma here. <laughs> Wanted to stay in her same house and rock in her chair. Can <laughs> you imagine? I, I, I would be rocking like this. Like there. Be like, mm -hmm. We have to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more Michelle Obama. Everybody stick around. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. I want to ask you about one thing. So here, here's, here's the place we were in the O2 Arena in London when I had the, the good luck to interview you over there. And so shortly after this, about eight months after this, the whole world locks down. Yeah. And there you are with mm -hmm. your kids. You're all in the same house together. Mm -hmm. How did the Obama family keep sane during lockdown? You know, the interesting thing is I, you know, Barack and I probably did better than most in lockdown because we kind of lived in lockdown for eight years. You know, sure. and I, I, you know, and I don't want to be trite about that because, you know, we, we were experiencing no hardship, but w when you live in a bubble and you have to think about every move you make, you literally can't even go outside for a walk without notifying somebody. Right. Um, you, your, your footprint is smaller than you imagine. You're traveling with 20 cars. Um, we learned how to occupy ourselves in like this house and how to stay sane and keep moving. So we were able to apply those skills. Now, when the girls came home for college, that was a whole nother thing. Um, You're thrilled. I mean, really, it was, it was nice. It yeah. was nice to, you know, have your kids leave the nest and then come back and watch them and for us it was like okay you are saying you actually do your homework um I, I kid you not when they were doing class on zoom i'd go and i'd be like you you're actually in class you know i if i were them i'd probably be cutting or turning the sound off just turn the camera know. off and go back to right. bed baby there you have it but we occupied ourselves i before lockdown i loaded us up with games and puzzles and i got knitting needles i got art supplies so what was your thing what was your thing to keep you calm 
I was knitting. I, I taught myself how to knit. Oh, okay. I know. I know. Knit one pearl too. This this thing, this action. Exactly. That goes with the grandma rock. That's what. That's way. right. I'm on my way. You're, I'm on my way. Right. I'm on my way. Yeah. But uh, you know, the girls learned how to play spades, and there would be a mean oh, nice. spades game sure. after dinner. Mm -hmm. uh, I would conduct. Like one day, we had an art e exhibit. I made everybody go off and create a piece of art. Paint. They had little easels, and everybody had to paint something. Was and there a prize or anything? Was no, there... it was just a viewing. We put the little paint paintings on the table, mm -hmm, and we each mm -hmm. had to present our, our mm -hmm. paintings, little yeah. things like that, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Okay. Who, which one did you like the most? Mine. <laughs> no, <laughs> don't sugarcoat it. Your kids are old no, enough. No, 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 that's no. fine. The, the how kids the, were the best. How were the, how were the girls, though? Because, like, you're nice to have the kids back, but, like, uh, It's good that they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> how are they? Like, because they're with their parents again. They're all independent, now they're back with their you parents You know, they again. were okay because it was a scary time. So mm -hmm. it was a mix of, do you want to be out there? And what does out there mean? Um, were they, were they, was it like kids, or was it like having roommates at that point? It was... A mix, right? Mm -hmm. Because they were, they're still, you know, yes. that kind of. Did you have stuff. chores or anything? Did you, did, yeah, uh, you know, everybody had their assignments, you know. Guys cook? Did you guys cook for each other? Like, uh, every yeah. Now and then. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. How about movie time? Because that can be a so source of great conflict. Is like, what movie? Because there was a lot of people yeah. were like, okay, we're all yeah. gonna watch this series, this movie together. And I, but I've heard you say that <laughs> Malia. And your husband liked to watch like the documentaries, the well, serious the stuff. Well, the serious dark movies. I say where everybody dies and it's sad. <laughs> it's sad. And you and Sasha are like the lighter fare. It's like, come on, make me laugh, make me yes. dance. I want to, yes. you know. No, it's still pretty much How'd divided you solve that? down there. You know, we just went into our movie corners. <laughs> I think every now and thing. then. Well, we. I was trying to introduce the girls to like the classics. You know, I mean, kids, kids these days. They don't know who Elizabeth Taylor is. They think what? she's the lady with the perfume, or are you, you know, going National Velvet? What Elizabeth they Taylor? They don't, or... you know, a lot of my, Malia's more of a film aficionado. She yep. knows more than most. So sure. we took that time to kind of say, "Come on, let's let's look at let's watch some old classics," mm -hmm. and that's where we would, you know, sort of join forces on our movie viewing. But it was good to have them home. It was. No, COVID. Uh, wasn't the only challenge we were facing in 2020 into 2021, as hard as that was. Um, I don't think you and I have had a chance to talk about this yet, but, you know, there you are, you and your husband, uh, after these eight year, uh, year, years of service, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're citizens at yeah. home, yeah. watching January 6th yeah. unfold, yeah. like everybody else. Mm -hmm. But, of course, these are your colleagues. This is the places where you yeah. used to work. You used to, you know those people. That is... That is a, a, a very um, familiar area to you. What was it like for you? And I know this is a very broad question, but what was it like to sit there with your husband and to watch that unfold? It was sad. It was, it was, it was deeply, deeply disappointing, disheartening. But it wasn't completely surprising. I mean, we were, with the language, the behavior, we were creeping towards some kind of chaotic moment. Um, we talked about it throughout the entire election. I was very clear that the person running against Hillary Clinton was not up to the job, that it was going to be chaotic, that the job of president is not a joke, um, and that it could, would cause problems. Um, we were just bracing for what was that big thing gonna be? What was the, how bad would it get? 
and to see citizens um, storming through the Capitol, it was surreal and it was frightening um, and, and deeply, deeply disappointing. Well, you, you, you write in, in the book um, that of all the questions that you're asked, one of the most frequent is people come up to you and say, do you really have to go high when like, they go now? low? Now? I mean, have you seen how low? Yeah. Have you seen how low? Does that mean, and my question, my version of that is, I totally understand going mm -hmm. high when mm -hmm. somebody goes yeah. low. Yeah. But the bar is so low that staying at your own altitude still means higher. <laughs> Do I actually have to go up here, or can I just stay normal? Do I have to be a saint? Do I have to be a saint, or can I? Because down here, I'm pissed off. You know, and, and I... I... I explain what I meant by going high yeah. because it's been interpreted and it's put on, been put on mugs. You hear it quoted everywhere. Sure. Um, but I explain that in this book. And for me, going high is not losing the urgency or the passion or the rage, especially when you are justified in it. Mm -hmm. Going high means finding the purpose in your rage. Mm -hmm. You know, rage without reason, without a plan, without direction, is just more rage. Um, and we've been living in a lot of rage. And why do you go high? Because the opposite way of being is unsustainable. No one is happy in this place. You know, if it worked, we'd do it. Go low, yeah. You know, it's easy to go low. It's easy to lead from your basis gut impulse, right? Mm -hmm. To react, right? To throw your hurt out there. It's emotional junk food. It is, and it feels good. It's a, it's a quick fix, but it doesn't fix anything over the long term. And if it did, hey, I'd be like, go for it. I'm just trying to find a solution. I'm trying to, I'm trying to push us to think about solutions that will actually unite us and get us to, focused on the real problems. That's what I mean when I say go high. So yes. Yes. Go high. Go high. Yes. Go high, America, please go high. <laughs> we have to take another break here, but uh, please stick around, everybody. More Michelle Obama when we come back. Rise and shine, football fans. Start your day the right way with Morning Footy, a podcast that covers every aspect of the global game, headlines, match previews, analysis, interviews, culture, fashion, and plenty of banter. Join as we track the thrills and spills of Europe's biggest title races, the business end of the Champions League season, a summer packed with international competitions, MLS, NWSL, and much more. Subscribe to Morning Footy. One of the chapters in the book is called Partnering Well, and, and you, you certainly have. Here you are on your wedding day with your Aww. husband. And people, people look up to you and your husband as, as a sort of an aspirational relationship, but, but you, you, write, oh, right. uh, you write somehow that reality yeah. is less glittery yeah. and shiny mm -hmm. than, than, than it may appear. Why, why was that important for you to share in your new book, The Light We Carry? <laughs> Because I want young people to win at life, um, and I don't want them to give up when stuff gets hard. Um, building, a, partnering with somebody, if you choose to do that, building a family, that's a good thing. 
but it's not 50-50. It's not all a happy place. And if we sit here in our perfect marriages and show that to you, that means when you as a young per person hit a, a natural snag, you're gonna think you're broken when actually you're just living life. Um, and I see too many, I don't want our young people to quit when they are going through the natural process of being building a life with another person, which in and of itself is crazy hard. It is. And then you add kids on, you know, and you love your kids, but they will mess up your marriage. They show up, <laughs> they, are, they are greedy, mm -hmm. they don't speak English. Um, They're relentless opponents. They don't follow rules, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. you're really mad at them, but they're so cute and you love them so, so you blame your partner. It's like, <laughs> it's your fault. And that goes on for years. Oh, no. And you don't want people, don't walk away from them or her. Just let the kids grow up. Get them out of the house quick. <laughs> and then you look up. And there's now your we're partner. Up your it's like. And you turn and you go, hey, I, I remember like why. <laughs> exactly. Mark and I, the last one went out and we were sort of like, oh, hi. <laughs> it's you. <laughs> I don't need you for anything but love. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want people to miss out on that, you know? So people have to know from us, people who've been married 30 years. Woo, 29, woo, 29, woo, getting there, getting there, yeah. That, you know, you could go through 10 bad years and you would take those odds, yeah. right? Um, so don't give up the first sign of problems. Work on it. Now, if your parent partner is crazy, get out. <laughs> get out, get out fast. Right. But if you're just having regular problems, work it out. Yeah. So we did. Yeah. I like to say, um, uh, people ask me sometimes, like, well, you seem to have a nice marriage. And I go, oh, I think we do. Mm -hmm. What do you, what, uh, why, what do you advise? I said, uh, don't be afraid to say I'm sorry. Because mm -hmm. you can't lose. Yeah. There's yeah. no real losing, there's no scoreboard. You might yeah. be keeping one, but it's not real. Yeah, I think that's a good <laughs> motto for Barack. <laughs> it's important to remember that no matter how. It's important to remember that no matter how that, honey? how how Don't perfect be the, to say you're sorry no matter how me. perfect no. the marriage is sometimes yeah, the husband no. is wrong. Uh. <laughs> um, now the, the the girls are out, but they're living together, right? They are. That must roommates. be nice to it know. It is so good. It's kind of like another little family over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, they become each other's best friends, and I told them it was going to happen, you know. And like, at, at 10 and 7, they were like, no, I will never, I hate her. <laughs> I was like, it's coming, it's coming. You just gotta catch up, you'll e even out. Um, but yeah, that's a, you know, that is reassuring that the two of them have each other. Mm -hmm. um, they have wonderful friends and they're independent people, but they have each other's backs. And when you birth two human beings, you want them to get along, you want them to love each other. You want them to have each other when you're not there, when I'm through rocking in my chair and I've got nowhere else to go. Yeah. I want them to have each other. So they're they're out in the world, living life. Now Thanksgiving's coming up. And is are, it? are there, no. yes, we're, we're, we're coming up. <laughs> it is. Are, are any particular traditions in your family? Does uh, your, uh, you know, does your husband ever just reflexively pardon the turkey? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have to get two every year? Cause one of them. <laughs> All right, cranberry, you're good? Yeah, no, we, we uh, walked away from that tradition. Uh, we, 
But uh, of course, I'm losing my mother to her favorite child, my brother. So she won't be spending Christmas with me. She's still, oh. I am still, oh. I still haven't done enough to move up the, the ladder. Never ends. Like, right, Never ends. Well, the book is The Light We Carry. <laughs> Again? It's available now. <laughs> it's Michelle Obama, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to The Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.